It's coming to the point where the uh, general population is getting to look at people for their worth rather than what uh, their name may be or uh, how they may look. They're getting to look at the, the character of the individual. This is Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi, two of the top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, one from California and one from Massachusetts, squaring off on legal news and legal observations. Lawyer to Lawyer is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. This is Bob Ambrogi coming to you from Massachusetts. And this is Craig Williams from sunny Southern California. Just to let you know, we were nominated for Best Podcast for the 2008 ABA Journal Blog 100. You can find the link to vote on the Legal Talk Network site as well and on the abajournal.com website under blogs. Well, the American Bar Association's Commission on Racial and Ethnic Diversity in the Profession recently announced its selection of judges, lawyers, a legislator, and a law professor to receive the 2009 Spirit of Excellence Awards, honoring their efforts to promote a more diverse legal profession. These awards are a testament to some of what is currently going on in the legal profession that you may not have heard about very much. According to the chair of the commission, Fred Alvarez, and one of our guests today, these are leaders who have overcome barriers, who fought to make opportunities available to others, who have stood for achievement and encouraged diverse young people to pursue law as a career. Well, today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we're going to talk a little bit more about these awards and look at diversity in the legal profession, progress that's been made over the years, and uh, highlight some of those people who are making a difference. Well, our first guest today is attorney Fred Alvarez. He's the chair of the ABA Commission on Opportunities for Racial and Ethnic Minorities in the Profession. Fred is also a partner at Wilson, Susani, Goodrich, and Rosati, where he heads the firm's employment litigation practice. He is a specialist in all areas of labor, employment, and equal opportunity law. Welcome to the show, Fred Alvarez. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Uh, and next to join us today is... Uh, one of the uh, one of the lawyers honored with the Spirit of Excellence Awards. He's uh, Attorney Richard A. Soden uh, of Counsel to the Boston Office of the law firm Goodwin Proctor. Uh, Mr. Soden's practice has included all aspects of corporate finance, corporate governance, and regulatory compliance. In addition, he's been active in nonprofit and charitable endeavors for more than thirty years, serving both as a lawyer and as a member of governing boards and as an officer of numerous charitable and civic organizations. Uh, he was among the first African-American law partners, a member of the ABA Board of Governors, uh, a past president here in Massachusetts of the Boston Bar Association and the Massachusetts Black Lawyers Association, uh, and uh, someone who's been active in supporting youth programs, community development, and other activities, uh, both in Boston and nationally. Uh, and uh, is for having reached out to lawyers from diverse groups and work for access to justice for all members of society. So uh, welcome to the program, Richard Soden. Well, thank you. And, Good and to congratulations. be here. And congratulations to you. Uh, Fred, Fred, why don't we start with you, and, and perhaps you could give us the overview of of these awards and, and how, how the uh, selections are made for who receives them. 
I'm happy to. Um, the Spirit of Excellence Award um, is as good as it gets. I mean, it is the top of, it's the signature award granted by the ABA for people who have essentially a lifetime achievement of contributions in the diversity arena. Uh, it's presented at a spectacular um, luncheon, which, you know, generally attracts eight or 900 people uh, at the mid-year meeting of the ABA. And it, it's a time to celebrate some truly um, heroic people. And we, we, we get, every year we get a large number of nominations from all over the country, something in the range of 50 or so. Uh, people put a lot of effort into the nominations, and then the commission has the difficult job of selecting uh, six or seven people to get this award. Um, so it's truly a remarkable group of people, and it's a it's just a joy to see the kinds of contributions that people have made from all over the country. And and Richard Soden is certainly a worthy recipient. So it, it's it's the it's the top of the it's the top of the hill there. Richard, that's quite a compliment to get. Uh, what, what's your perspective on diversity in the law profession? Well, uh, I think the, the answer is we've come a long way and we have a very long way to go. Um, I was uh, um, really pleased to have been chosen uh, as a recipient of the award. I don't, I don't think I had uh, included myself in that category of, uh, of pioneers, but um, I, I have uh, been at Goodwin Proctor since the I was a summer intern at this firm in 1969 and was, uh, I think at that point, its first black legal employee. I didn't start as the first associate, but um, I have uh, had a, a career as a, as a standard issue corporate lawyer at a major law firm, but have had the opportunity throughout that time to make contributions uh, in terms of improving the um, the community and, and providing access to other people of color. Um, I work in the ABA, I think, um, while often falling in the diversity area, I think the things that I've done in the ABA where I've chaired commissions and committees and now serve on the board um, are the kinds of leadership roles that provide role models for others. And I know when uh, in the past year or so when I was nominated to go on the board, one of the members of the Minority Caucus of the ABA House of Delegates reminded me of when she had first come to the ABA and saw me uh, standing in front of a room with all of the presidents of the bars of the United States uh, at the Bar Leadership Conference as I was chairman of that uh, committee, um, and it told her that... Um, you know, she might want to stay and become active in the organization and, and now serves in a great leadership role herself. Richard, I'm intrigued by your comment that we have both come a long way but still have a long way to go. I, I, I wonder if you could just elaborate a little. I mean, where where do we still need to get? Where are we still falling short in this area? Well, I think one of the things that we are discovering, and, and I, I know the ABA is working on it and all of our local organizations that try and improve things, is that um, is in what we call a pipeline area. We do not see enough um, students of color coming through the educational system, going on to college and then on to law school, so that um, they are available to join 
the legal profession. And we think it's important that we get the view that you too can be a lawyer and that you can contribute to your community by being a lawyer down to other people and their various programs that have been developed that reach out in those areas to um, my firm uh, back in 1994 when I was president of the Boston Bar uh, um, endowed a scholarship for graduates of the Boston Public School System who wanted to get into the area of law and justice. Uh, and I know that the ABA has working on similar things that friend might be able to to mention, and I know that other bar associations are doing those things um, well before people even get to college now, but we also outreach to college. We've got the Boston Law Firm Group here in Boston that reaches out and has been running internships for college students to see if we can attract them into the profession. What seems to be the holdback, Fred? What do you, what's your, what do you analyze as the basis for people not entering into the law profession that are, are people of color and, minor, and other minorities? Well, I wish I had a good answer for that. If I did, we would, <laughs> we could address it. Because uh, I think the, the pipeline problem is, um, I agree with Richard, it's getting worse. We're seeing fewer people applying. Um, it may be, it may be a question of do people see it as a as a viable path to success, see the law practice as one. Um, the, the commission that I chair uh, focuses on the actual profession as opposed to the pipeline, but they're all connected, obviously. And and what we're seeing in the on the professional side is um, a relatively low success rate for attorneys of color in law firms and law departments. Uh, the numbers change maybe every every little bit, but it's, you know what we're looking at is something like four or five percent of partners in major law firms are attorneys of color, uh, and something like 15 or 17 percent of associates are attorneys of color. So it's it, there pe- people are who look at that and say, gee, can I make it in this profession, are seeing very few people who look like them. Uh, And so I think that would have a lot to do with whether people decide that this is a profession that really values their contribution. Well, we're at a unique moment in our nation's history with the election of our first black president. And we, uh, of course, that that black president is is a lawyer and a legal professional. Is 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 that likely to have an impact on opportunities uh, for people of color within the legal profession? Is that likely to have some uh, some some broader effect in 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 people seeing uh, opportunities for themselves? Boy, I I sure hope so, um, because I think he, he answers a really important question, and 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 the question is, can people can people imagine an attorney of color being a successful partner in a big law firm or a successful law lawyer in a, in any practice? And if you, if you have, you're having trouble imagining that now that we have elected someone like Barack Obama, uh, you have no imagination at all. <laughs> uh, but I think in, in the past, a lot of, a lot of, uh, senior partners in firms had a hard time imagining somebody who looks like Richard or looks like me, uh, being a big-time lawyer in a big-time firm with a handling important responsibilities. 
and people like Richard have had to sort of break the mold and have people say, well, I've never seen anyone quite like Richard handling a merger and acquisition, but let's see if this guy can do it. So, so having somebody like Barack Obama as a sort of a vision of what, a, when a ter, what an attorney of color can do, I think it's going to really, really help. You still seeing prejudice existing in large law firms and, and medium-sized law firms? Is that the holdback? Prejudices. I, I would really say, I, I think the way Fred put it, in terms of imagining that person leading, is more the question rather than a, a kind of a negative prejudice. Um, you need to be seen in the role. Somebody needs to think this guy can represent me as well as anybody else. And I think that uh, Barack Obama is really um, going to help in that, but it's also going to help in terms of people coming to and staying in the profession because they see that, yes, I can. Um, one of the things that I find most fascinating in the last several weeks is um, there was a great degree of doubt, certainly amongst African Americans, uh, that this ever was going to come to pass. And there's an astonishment level on the part of white Americans, or at least the ones, maybe it's a Northeast phenomenon, that um, I know that we were as doubtful. And it is, for them, a revelation that there was this degree of doubt. And I think that we've sort of put it all out on the floor now. And I think the dialogue around those issues is going to be um, a lot healthier now. Is there a, is there a concern that that this could somehow slow the dialogue? That that suddenly there there will be people seeing the election of a black president as a, as as saying we don't need to be having this conversation anymore. I've heard the suggestion that that might be the case, um, but I haven't heard that actually becoming the case. Obviously, the the man hasn't been sworn in yet, so. Uh, there's more to be revealed, but I, I actually think it's going to make the issue one which we will address, and, and provided that um, the community, affected community, continues to push its efforts, I don't think it's really going to have that. Um, we can close the doors of uh, outreach because one man has made it through. You know, I guess I would say, I think it's a great question. I, I, I would say that it depends on how you look at what diversity is designed to accomplish. I mean, it, of course it accomplish, it's designed to accomplish equal opportunity. That's, that's a bit, one of our national core values. But in, in, a, in other ways, it's really designed to unlock the potential that attorneys of color can contribute to to the legal workplace and the legal services profession. And if you look at attorneys of color as a resource uh, that's been underutilized because of these sort of perceptions about whether they can do this or whether they can try a case or handle an M&A transaction, you, you look at someone like Barack Obama as telling people, hey, there is a resource there. Maybe these folks who we don't think can do this, maybe they can do it. And maybe... Uh, since since the marketplace is diversifying so much for customers and juries and judges are diversifying and in-house lawyers are diversifying, maybe there is a resource here in this particular attorney of color 
that if we support him uh, in the way that we've supported people in the past, he may be able to deliver, you know, a piece of the market that we've never really been able to tap. So I, I, I see it as a opening up of a resource as opposed to a sort of a social program. Yeah, I agree with, with Fred on that. And I think that um, our, our true belief is is that a diverse organization is a is a more creative organization. It provides better solutions. It um, we often, uh, certainly at the law firm level, deal with the quote business case for diversity. And it isn't simply by being diverse you can attract diverse clients. It's more that by being diverse you can be better. You can deliver better product overall. And I think that that's what I'm I'm hearing from Fred. You mentioned earlier a figure of four to five percent uh, of people of color were in leadership positions in law firms, I think. Certainly the population is, is higher than 4 or 5% in terms of people of color. If they're not going into the legal profession, where are young professionals of color going? Well, well that's a great question. <laughs> Maybe Richard knows. <laughs> you, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a particularly interesting question because um, many people end up in the law because it's a generalist's outpitch sort of. You know, if you're going to go to medical school, you've got to start early. If you're going to be an engineer, you have to start early. You've got to, you know, get your prerequisites and everything. And I will tell you honestly, I ended up in law school by default. <laughs> um, so that it would seem that it's a place you might go. But um, I think when you get to that point, do I go on for more education to become a lawyer, to get into a profession where I don't see um, many people in leadership um, positions, maybe people aren't making that investment. Um, so we don't we don't know that they are being redirected to other um, professions or into business. But we need to take a short break at this point. But before we do that, we wanted to uh, let Richard go uh, and uh, just ask Richard: did, did you have any any final thoughts you wanted to share with our listeners before before you leave the program? Well, no, I'm, I want to express my thanks to the American Bar Association for recognizing me. Um, I want to um, say that it's, it's nice to be able to go and do what you do for a living and at the same time um, advance causes that you feel are important. And I think this is a situation in which not only did I have the opportunity to do that, but then somebody gave me an award for it. So. <laughs> So I'm really pleased um, uh, for this uh, great opportunity. Well, thank you very much, Richard, and congratulations. If you could uh, give our listeners your contact information so perhaps someone that uh, needs to get motivated can get in touch with you, uh, if you do that, please. Sure. It's Richard Soden, and I'm at Goodwin, Proctor, and Hoare. That's G-O-O-D-W-I-M-P-R-O-C-T-E-R and Hoare at, and uh, you can reach me by email at uh, rsoden at goodwinproctor.com or by phone at 617-570-1533. Thank you very much, and again, congratulations. All right. Take care. Well, we need to take a short break. When we return, we'll be joined by Fred Alvarez and a second award recipient, Justice Dan Sosa, Jr., to talk more about diversity in the legal profession. You've just passed the bar, and you're ready for your first day at the firm. If you always wear a blue suit, white shirt, and red tie, nobody will know you haven't been home in three days. You are ready to tackle the important legal questions. 
I don't worry about the merits of a case. I'm paid solo to find obscure procedural roadblocks. You are ready to find self-worth in your profession. The value of my existence is measured in six-minute increments. And the perfect associate has the answers to all your career questions. Available at perfectplush.com. Perfectplush.com, your source for legal humor. That's perfectplush.com. With A-plus conferencing, you can have the parties on your conference calls individually built. A-plus conferencing, specializing in law firm conferencing services, has done what other conference providers have refused to do. Allocate the expenses of each conference call to the participating parties. A-plus conferencing can also provide you with web and desktop video conferencing and deposition and court calls. Give Susan at A-plus a call today at 888-239-3969 or check out A-plus conferencing at www.aplusconferencing.com. Online video is one of the best ways to get the message out about your firm, and legal channels is where your firm should be. You can have your firm's video produced by TV professionals and seen on Law.com, Legal Talk Network, and YouTube. Find out more at Law.com or LegalTalkNetwork.com. Just click on Legal Channels. Okay, welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. Uh, this is Bob Ambrogi and my co-host Jay Craig Williams and I would like to welcome back uh, Attorney Fred Alvarez, the chair of the ABA Commission on Opportunities for Racial and Ethnic Minorities in the Profession. Well, and Bob, we're now joined by another recipient of the 2009 Spirit of Excellence Awards, Justice Dan Sosa Jr. Justice Sosa is a retired justice of the New Mexico Supreme Court, where he became known as the champion of the working people, being recognized for efforts throughout his legal career to encourage Hispanic people to become lawyers and judges. Welcome to the show, Justice Dan Sosa, and congratulations. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be with you, fellows. Uh, Fred, maybe you could uh, perhaps uh, introduce a little bit uh, how how uh, the uh, commission decided to uh, honor Judge Sosa with this award. Well, I'd be delighted to. Um, Justice Sosa is, um, without question, one of the luminaries of the of the legal profession, but particularly among Latino lawyers in the Latino community. He um, he's got so many firsts before his name. I, I'm not sure I can do them all. I cert- I pretty sure he would have been the first Latino Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Uh, he, he was uh, one of the first Latino district attorneys in New Mexico, I'm pretty sure. He was one of the founders of an important uh, Latino uh, legal services organization. He handled the most difficult cases in the most difficult parts of the state at a time before anybody was doing that sort of work. And And the commission was just thrilled to be able to Finally, after all he's done, uh, recognize him with this award. So he is one of our he's one of our champions, and uh, and, and we're thrilled to, that he agreed to accept the award. Well, Justice Sosa, that's quite an intro. Why don't and, and congratulations? Yes, congratulations. it is. Yes, it is. As I was listening to it, I said, "Oh Lord, <laughs> how can I be so grateful for so many good friends?" Well, in any event, I guess what started me off on uh, which path I was going to take was. I was one of the ten founders of the Mexican-American Legal Defense and Educational Fund, better known as MALDEF. Uh, there were ten of us, ten attorneys, ten Latino or Hispanic attorneys from throughout the Southwest, some from Texas, some from Arizona, some from Colorado, and then from California. 
and myself from New Mexico that got together and uh, got a MALDEF funded by the Ford Foundation. And uh, that was the start of it. You know, then I got involved after that. This was before I went on the Supreme Court of New Mexico. Then I got involved in, in helping MALDEF uh, get these cases together in the federal courts. So that was one of the highlights for me to recognize and understand how disparate the differences in the way people are treated out in the boonies, you know. So uh, two of the, uh, I guess, seminal cases that I was very involved in was uh, Judy Serna versus the Portales School District, which was a discrimination in, in, in teacher, teacher hiring. In other words, there were no Hispanic teachers in the Portales School District, and yet about 60%, if I recall correctly, of the enrollment was Hispanic, and a lot of those Hispanic students couldn't even speak English. So the case was uh, started here to, to see if they couldn't encourage getting more uh, Hispanic or uh, Spanish-speaking teachers to to be able to have these kids be able to associate with them or to even try to be like them. It was interesting. It was filed in the of in the district court in New Mexico, but it was followed after the uh, court decided in our favor. It was followed in California with reference to some Chinese teachers that were very absent from the uh, uh, roles where there were a lot of Chinese students and no Chinese teachers. And another case for unemployment uh, discrimination was Manuel Urquides versus the General Telephone Company of the Southwest. It was a case out of uh, out of Carlsbad, where there was discrimination in hiring. This uh, uh, person who uh, made application to uh, uh, work for the uh, General Telephone Company of the Southwest was uh, not hired, and yet he had similar experience in California. He was a veteran, had ser- had some service to his country. And he came back to, to his home in Carlsbad and made application only because one of the only Hispanic employees of General Telephone Company of the Southwest in Carlsbad was a janitor who saw that they had this test coming up, and he called Manuel, and Manuel came down to take it, and he passed the test. But in the interviews or something like that, he was not hired. There were four young, young Anglo kids. They had just graduated from the Carlsbad High School who were hired ahead of him. We got involved in filing an action against the General Telephone Company of the Southwest. And during the preliminary stages, we found out that he had scored higher in his tests than the kids they hired. So they went ahead and, uh, general, much to their credit, General Telephone Company of the Southwest went ahead and agreed to a settlement and... Uh, they agreed to hire Manuel and and uh, to set up a procedure whereby there would be uh, a committee that would look for hireable uh, minorities. So those two cases were very, very much impressed upon me when I went into the Supreme Court of New Mexico. And, uh, well, the rest is, is, that's a story of my life, so to speak. Justice Sosa, these awards uh, are honor you know diversity within the profession and i'm i'm curious about your perspective from the bench 
about the role of, of diversity among the ranks of lawyers and, and among the ranks of judges. Uh, are, we, are we making progress in terms of achieving that? Uh, yes, I think we are. I, I think we are making a lot of progress in that area because an education is getting to be more uh, uh, easy, uh, attainable for, for minorities. And that is the, the basic uh, thing that is used there. In other words, if you can get an education, you can go ahead and, and aspire for anything that you want. And, no, I think there has been a, a definite trend in that way. Like Freddie said, you know, I, uh, when I, I was one of the first, I guess, first 100 attorneys, Hispanic attorneys in the state of New Mexico, and when I came back home, I ran for district attorney in an Anglo district. And my gosh, I busted my fanny out all over the district. It was an Anglo district, and I had been told that I shouldn't run for district attorney in this district because Chano Chavez had tried it against two Anglos, and it wound up low man on a totem pole. So how could I, in a dead heat against another Anglo, uh, seek to prevail? And I said, well, I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to try it. I, I've always dreamed of being DA in this area. And I ran in the first election. I won by 200 votes. <laughs> later on, later on in the, uh, after I was appointed to the Supreme Court, in the days when you had to run statewide for the position, I carried one of the counties and where I won, won by 200 votes. I carried one of the counties, Doniana, by 5,000 votes. So there has been some progress in the area, and I think it's probably like Barack Obama's election. It's coming to the point where the uh, general population is getting to look at people for their worth rather than what uh, their name may be or uh, how they may look. They're getting to look at the, the character of the individual. If I could add, this is Fred, if I could add just a personal note, I can recall as a young boy listening to the radio that night that he was elected district attorney because they would report in the votes every 10 or 20 minutes on the radio. And I remember that election like it was yesterday. So it was a tremendous uh, cha tremendous time for people who looked up to Justice Sosa as somebody who could open up a door like becoming district attorney in a county like the one uh, I lived in as a child. Well, what more needs to be done? Something we were talking about, Justice Sosa, before you came on the line was was uh, with with the progress that's been made. What what progress remains to be made? And, and, and from your perspective, again, again, particularly from having served on the bench and seeing it from that perspective, uh, what what more needs to be done within the legal profession to enhance diversity? Well, I guess, you know, you always need role models. So the more the merrier. I think if you can encourage one person to become a lawyer, that person can encourage another one. And one of those from among that group, like right now in, in uh, this district here in Doniana County, there's a vacancy in the uh, third judicial district. And I'm surprised out of five applicants, three of them are Hispanics. So... It, it's getting to, well, of course, in New Mexico, 40% of the population is Hispanic. So you would, you would certainly think that that would be the norm, but it hasn't been a few years back. So there has been some progress that you can see here. Are you seeing an increase in diversity among the lawyers that are appearing in front of you? 
Yes, there's, there's been a lot of increase in that. And, you know, I've always felt that diversity is beautiful in anything, you know. The more diverse things that you see, the better it is. So, uh, you know, you should celebrate diversity or, or think of it as a fond thing, as a good thing, not, not a bad thing. Have you, in, the, in your career, and I'm, I'm sure you have, have you seen any setbacks, and, and what did you do to overcome them? Well, I guess there have been some setbacks, but all you have to do is keep punching, keep going, keep going. You can't go backwards. You've got to go forwards. Now, I think our country as a whole is getting to be, I, I, you know, I marvel at the election of Barack Obama because of the fact that I was very concerned about the fact that I've lived through the ages where uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated and I was concerned about the fact that, my gosh, you know, are we over big racial profiling in, in, in this country? And I was surprised to see that I think we are. It's getting better. It's still there. I mean, there's some, there's some I, I saw a nightline that there are some hate groups that are coming up and wanting to to make their feelings known, but but I think that the great majority of people are now getting to the point where they appreciate character rather than just anything else. Well, it is it is a historic time in our country. There's no question about that. Uh, I, I we are we're getting close to the end of our time, and uh, and before we do wrap up, we like to hear uh, from each of you uh, kind of your final thoughts on the topic. Uh, and Justice Sosa, why don't we? Uh, get your closing thoughts uh, on on the issue of diversity in the profession. Well, I think diversity in the profession is good for the profession, and I think that uh, we're headed that way. And, uh, you know, we had, had never had a president of the Bar Association in New Mexico that was Hispanic, and now we've had two. So I think diversity in the profession, diversity in the judiciary, Diversity in, in life is a good thing, and I think we should strive for that. And Fred, likewise from you, uh, can we get your, your final thoughts? Uh, I guess I, I would echo um, the sentiments of Justice Sosa and say that we do have to keep going forward, um, and I do see signs that we are going forward. Uh, it gets more complicated. It gets um, more challenging to push the envelope, but I think it's, it, it takes it, the inspiration that we get from people like the awardees uh, reminds all of us who are sort of in the trenches that we need to be stay at it and we need to come up with new tech, techniques, new energy, new emphasis, and I see that happening uh, in the legal profession. So with that kind of optimism, I'm delighted to chair the commission that tries to corral all those efforts, and so uh, I'm, I'm hopeful. And, and Fred, if you would please uh, give us your contact information. Uh, I'm, at, I'm at Wilson Sonsini, Goodrich and Rosati in Palo Alto, California, and my email address is falbarez at wsgr.com. And Fred, we didn't get a chance to list all of the award winners, but uh, I assume that by going to uh, the ABA website, uh, this information is available there. Is that right? Yes. Yes, it is. And it's a remarkable group of people. Um, and, and I'm sure if once you look at the list, it includes some people who are, who are just uh, off the charts in terms of what they've contributed. And 
thankfully we, you talked to two of them during this this show. But we invite everyone to come on uh, February the 14th to Boston uh, and help us celebrate this amazing crew of, of people. Great. And Justice Sosa, would you like to provide your contact information? Uh, by that you mean where I uh, where where our listeners could reach you if they'd like. Oh, to reach well, my uh, permanent address is. Post Office Box 1267, Las Cruces, New Mexico, 88004. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for being on the show, Justice Sosa, and as well, Fred Alvarez. Thank you very much. I feel very thank honored. You for ha- thank you for having us. Well, Bob, that about wraps it up for Lawyer to Lawyer this week. Uh, remember, to our listeners, you can check all of our Lawyer to Lawyer shows at thelegaltalknetwork.com. And thank you to all of our guests and a reminder to our listeners that we're encouraging you to get out and <laughs> vote and vote often, as they say, for uh, our show at uh, at the ABA Journal uh, Blog 100 competition. And uh, also you can find our past installments of our show at Legal Talk Network and on iTunes. And uh, look forward to talking to you next week, Craig. Thanks to our guests. Thank, we'll thank them and congratulate them as well on, on such a high honor. We'll be back next week to talk about another great legal topic. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. Lawyer to Lawyer has been sponsored by Law.com. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Gee Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.